Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, visit PCAPainted.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all of you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the App Store and Google Play. This episode is brought to you by 3M, PPG, and Breakthrough Academy. Welcome back to part two of our series here with Sean and Tom of Hyler Painting, talking all about partnerships and the EOS Visionary Integrator uh, implementation into their business. Uh, my name is Chris Moore. I'm the founder of Elite Business Advisors, your host here for the podcast if you're new with us. If you missed last week's episode, go back, check it out. Um, this is one of those series that does kind of build on each other, un unlike the one that we wrapped up 2023 with, uh, because I think you'll get a good understanding of where they came into the business and stuff to dive into this conversation here today. Uh, but we do get kind of the whole theme of this two-part series was having a lot of questions about partnerships. And I was seeing the, the book Traction and the EOS uh, model uh, kind of surface a lot more here in the painting industry and, and knowing Sean and knowing Tom on a personal level, seeing what they built with Hyler Painting in Philadelphia, uh, they're, they're on track to finish up here about $6 million here in 2023. I thought they'd be a perfect duo to, in, to, to interview and kind of explain a little bit how they've implemented this, how their partnerships worked. Last week, we covered the good, uh, some things they've learned through it, you know, and how they implemented uh, a partnership into the business. And so, like I said, today, I want to focus a lot more on the traction side of it, the visionary integrator, the division of labor, as they talked about last week, the roles, responsibilities, and how they really make their business operate and hum well together. So I hope it helps. Thanks for plugging in. This is the Elite Business Advice Podcast. All right, guys, welcome back for part two here. I'm excited to dive in a little bit more on the traction, the visionary integrator role, how you guys have actually done things uh, there with Hyler. And so I guess just to start out, I'll let either of you guys jump in on this. Like, I know the EOS model has been a huge backbone of your guys' business. And as you guys have, have put this partnership together over time, um, how have you seen that so beneficial? And why are you guys such believers in that, in that system? Yeah, so um, like as soon as you read the book, it just made sense. So like it was referred to me. So like I'm a part of the entrepreneurs organization here in Philadelphia and a lot of really smart business owners. And they said, hey, you should check this book out. Like, so we read it and I was like, okay, we're sitting there talking about the system and process on how to paint a house, right? And, and I was like, well, why don't we have a system and a process in running an organization? Like, and I think that's what it really did because um, I am kind of go, go, go. And, and I always wanna uh, move forward, but sometimes you need to, um, have some organization there and it's a really simple approach to running like an organization like in growing a company um i'm big on simplification right like uh, i always talk to sean i say like simplify it right let, let, let's make it simpler and i think that eos has helped um like is a simple uh like application of uh like business processes and um really helped us uh like That's stay good. organized and have a clear vision yeah. Sean, how have you seen it beneficial from your perspective in the company? When we talked last time about, um, you know, being on the same page and where we're going and stuff. And that's really what it helped. It sets a 10 year target. It sets, you know, what do we want to accomplish in three years and talking about that 
and making sure that where we're heading helps us make decisions today to get there. Um, and then just having an outline, right? Of, you know, people say, when should we meet? How often should we talk? What should we talk about in these meetings, right? To make sure that they're effective and it outlines all of that and makes it clear so that on a weekly, monthly, quarterly, annually, ba- annual basis, you're, you know, progressing and, and making sure you're making strides towards that, you know, big goal. Yep. Um, you guys mentioned on last week's episode about the level 10 weekly meetings. What do you think is the most impactful thing that comes out of that meeting for your guys' business or your partnership? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question because it kind of uh, changes uh, like each week, in my opinion, right? There's sometimes uh, we have to focus on data and it's eye opening that we're looking at data. And sometimes we're having um, uh, like uh, like uh, issues with um, people, right? Like it helps bring light to that. But uh, like I would say uh, uh, the core of the meeting is what they call IDS, which is like solving the issues, right? Um, and just having the structure and the cadence of how to run a meeting makes it much simpler. Um, but I would say the biggest key component is identifying uh, through metrics on where we might be off, right? If, if leads are down, we're looking at it and then we're spending most of that meeting talking about how are we gonna increase leads? And then we leave with to-dos and action items because you're not really gonna solve it probably in that meeting, but you will identify different things to do. And most of the results are done outside of that meeting. Right, but we're assigning to do's and we're solving issues by creating action items. That's great. Sean, do you have anything that stands out from those meetings or ways you've seen that beneficial? Yeah, I mean, a, good, a big lesson learned we had was right, we have rocks. There's some things you want to accomplish in 90 days, right? And I just was going over a quote today with the operations department of, right? You underestimate what you can get done in a long period of time, you know, 10 years, and what you can get done in, you know, one year. And this helps you make sure you're on track of it. Right. So making sure that, oh, that 90 day rock, it seems, you know, really big and aggressive and hard to get done. But if you're just looking at it weekly, it's not that difficult. Um, We had a time where we weren't looking at it enough to make sure that we were progressing on those um, rocks. And it, you know, it's Those are what help us get to our our one year, you know, target, our three year picture, all of those things we want to accomplish. Yeah. And a lot of the strategy, just to add on that. So uh, like I had my annual uh, with my sales and marketing department yesterday. And I said, uh, like, we agreed on 7.5 million, like next year. And it sounds scary, right? But then when we broke it down and okay, this is, this is what we have to do this quarter to get there. And they said, Oh, well, that's like, we could do that. Right? Like, and then it was like, okay, this is the metrics we have to hit each week. It's like, oh, well, we can definitely do that. So it really breaks it down of, okay, this is what we want to accomplish this year. And it helped translate and simplifies it for the entire company. Cause it's one thing for Sean and I to get it because we probably could. And like, we may not need that. It's for all the people in the company that need that simplification and that communication, um, like in that clarity on what they need to accomplish over the next 90 days and what they need to accomplish each week. Yeah, no, I love it. And I think that's two, the two things I love about the level 10 meetings and just the EOS system in general is number one, you make decisions based on data and metrics, not gut feelings, not, well, I think this is the case, right? It's very, as you guys mentioned earlier, right? Here's our leads, here's our KPIs. What do we need to discuss? What are the problems we have? What are the solutions we can implement? And number two, it forces everybody to get on the same page. Um, It's almost like a same page meeting, but like on a lower level, more internally, 
right? Like you guys have your own same page meeting we talked about last week every month between you guys as owners, but you guys are still in the business each day. So you, your level 10 meeting serves as kind of that same page meeting for the company um, and your overhead and your leadership and stuff. And so I, I think it's great because I think it's, it's I say forced in a good way, forced systems and structure for business owners because they don't have it. Nobody does, right? Like sometimes you accidentally grow to nine painters and a million dollars and you go, holy shit, like I'm, I need to increase my leadership, right? Well, don't reinvent the wheel, just follow a proven system and process, right? Yeah, yeah, and a lot of it is, like you said, like communication, like there's so many other people, like in the organization, like, like we just have to share that information, right? So a lot of yep. times I'm just saying, hey, this is a decision that we made over here, right? Or this is a decision that I made, or this is an issue we have with the customer, because we're running and running uh, day in and day out. And sometimes we forget to share that information. So that is a key point yep. of it. It's just uh, sharing decisions that have been made. So everyone is on the same page. Yep. It's like a weekly huddle. I love it. Um, all right. So let's shift a little bit and get more detailed here as we talk through the division of labor, the roles, responsibilities, the visionary integrator role. Um, we'll, I'll kind of come back to that unless you guys want to throw that part of it now. So how and when did you guys decide like who's responsible for what, like the accountability piece, the hats that each of you guys are wearing, right, as co-owners and again, still being involved in the day-to-day -day operations of the business. Like how did you guys make that decision and how long has it been since you guys kind of made that shift? Well, it started off, um, I mean, just trying to identify little pieces of it, right? What am I good at? What's Tom good at? What am I not very good at? And uh, things just kind of fell into our, like buckets over time, right? So um, finances, the data, the numbers, the IT, the systems, I like, I'm strong at. So that's kind of what I was drawn to and, and took on more and more of that. Um, you know, Tom is the best salesperson <laughs> right out there. So like, um, you know, that's what he's you know drawn towards. Um, and then as time, you know, kept progressing and we filled out the other seats in the company, that's when we kind of, started to realize and say, okay, we need to, you know, finalize kind of call it the top end of our accountability transitional chart, right? Of who's going to be responsible for what above the specific hats that we're wearing. Um, so that's kind of how we, you know, got there. And then um, for probably two years, it's kind of a mix of that top end of us touching a little bit of everything. And finally, last year, um, actually at one of our quarterly sessions, uh, you know, we sat down and said, okay, did, who fits this mold, right? Who does this sound like? And when you talk visionary, Tom's that, that's who Tom is, right? Innately, that's who he is. Who sounds like this, right? That's more of Sean uh, in that integrator role. And so then we determined, okay, this is, these are all the seats that we need to, you know, put ourselves into now, um, including the visionary integrator. That's cool. Like I would say challenging aspects of, um, of being the visionary and choosing like uh, having an integrator is that um, the visionary has to give up decision-making responsibilities. And I think as business owners, a lot of times people want that and they want to make every decision or be involved like with every aspect of it. But you realize that you're not going to be able to grow um, if that's the case, right? So there's a lot of times where Sean overrides my decisions because he's the integrator and I am the sales manager or I'm wearing a different hat, right? And that's, that's just the way it has to be. 
and like tough decisions, that's what his job description is. And I have to believe that he's making the right decision. Now I can challenge the decision and, and I can, you know, go through my sales pitch to change an idea, but um, yeah, like I think it's, it's tough to give up that responsibility um, for any business owner, but it's been working. So we're going to keep rolling with it. Right, Sean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it's not broke, don't fix so. it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I heard that or it was a prelude to Sean getting fired here soon. I don't know if you can get fired from a partnership, but um, no, I mean, I think that that's a good point of view, right? And I think, you know, if, if for any entrepreneurs, you bring people on for key positions, right? Even think back, you know, it obviously it was a little different because when you brought Sean into the business too, but like, you know, for a business owner that's getting in that 700,000 to a million dollar range, 90% of the time they're looking to bring on a project manager, right? The, the traditional most part, there's no right or wrong way, but the owner stays the estimator, they bring on a project manager to oversee production. And even at that, like you have to give up control, right? And you have to give up some stuff, but you, you know, it's even probably more important when you have a partnership, right? Cause you have to trust the other person. Otherwise, what are we doing here? Um, and I think that that's a key point. And I think again, that you guys can still dialogue back and forth on things. But at the end of the day, Tom, like you're basically submitting to Sean and saying like, well, it's your, it's your call. I'm going to give you my thoughts on it. But at the end of the day, it's your decision. Right. And at least then if it's wrong, you can pin it back on him. So I guess there is some bright spot for you on it. So. Yeah. Uh, but Sean, what's that quote on, um, like authority without, uh, like decision-making is, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, like you can give someone uh, like the decision-making like ability, but if you're not giving them the authority to make a mistake, um, they're like, they're not going to be engaged. Like, and they're not going to be bought in. Right. So like you can tell someone, Hey, this is your job. You're supposed to make decisions. But then if you go in and you try to make every decision for them, how engaged is that person going to be? And how much are they going to care? Because they know that you're just going to come in and like change whatever decision they made anyway. Yeah, that's good. You know, I listen, you explained the quote good enough. It doesn't matter what the quote was, right? But no, I think that that's a valid point. I think, any, again, I think at any level in business, when you have people that you're giving responsibility and, and accountability to, you have to let them make mistakes, right? And and then handle that in a productive way. Now, there, obviously, there's huge mistakes that maybe you need to avoid for, you know, major consequences on things. But for the most part, like you have to, you know, I always heard trust but verify, Right. You have to trust they're going to make the right decision, but verify they're doing their job to the fullest, too. Right. So, um, yeah, I think that that's a big thing. So how have you guys split up? So, Sean, you handle the finances, the data, a lot of that side of it. Tom, it sounds like you're in the sales and marketing side. Who oversees production? Sean now. Yeah. Uh, for <laughs> a period of time, we did have a, an operations manager, um, but we yeah. uh, restructured our whole operations department this year. And in doing so, we put in great minute, middle management project managers that um, basically we realized we didn't need a full-time person in that operations seat anymore. So yeah. um, I was still able to split my time into those three different um, you know, roles. Nice, nice. How many project managers then do you guys have to, to oversee what you guys are doing right now? Uh, right now it's two. And then, um, yeah, I oversee a little bit of it. Gotcha. Um, we'll, we'll need to hire another one, uh, this year. Yep. That's good. And then Tom on the sales side of it, how many estimators do you guys have? Are you still out doing estimates? I know you kind of operate as the sales manager. I love what you said last week about 
you have to report to Sean as the sales manager. Um, and it's, I think it's good that you guys kind of have that like seriousness of it to where again, at some point you can replace yourself, but how many people do you oversee and how do you kind of handle that side of the company? So, um, my, uh, it's changed over time. Like the way that I, uh, like look at the sales and marketing department. So right now I only have two estimators, like I'm going to do close to 6 million. I still sell a little bit, but, um, I also am developing a marketing department where I have business development people. Cause before I used to um, expect the estimators to go out there and network and develop business. But I realized that the activity that makes the most money for them and the company is going out estimating. So I said, let's take that away from them and let's hire some other people to go generate business. Right. So then like, I'm really focusing on that right now, uh, this year, door knockers, networkers, cold callers, and it's a good opportunity to grow within the company and it, like, it's a good career path, but that's a long answer for two estimators. Yeah. They're only a small portion of our department. Um, yep. no, I love it. No, I think that was good. I, I appreciate the like detailedness of that because I think that's something that we're seeing a lot more in its it's borderline almost challenging some of our thinking when people are getting to these higher level spots in their in their businesses because again you think naturally it makes sense for hey you're responsible i need you to go sell you know 1.5 to 2 million dollars and you need to go to these networking groups and you need to do these things to generate the leads in addition to what we're going to do as a company level right but more and more i'm hearing it and maggie kuiper said it so eloquently at our retreat this summer when she spoke at it, she said, all of our people have one job and it's to do their job very well. She's like, when you oversee, you know, their residential repaint division, you don't think about, you don't touch. We don't ever discuss the new res, new construction residential side of our company, right? We have somebody that handles that. And I think even to the degree of what you just said, like you're an estimator, you're really good at selling. You could sell you know, obviously you guys are showing two, two and a half million if that was your only job, right? If you could just go do 40 estimates in a week or whatever your expectation is of them, take all the other BS out of it and find another way to do it. So it's definitely interesting to see how a lot of people's models are changing over time. Yeah, well, like I think the reason uh, the model changes, I, I've been beating my head against the wall trying to understand why my estimators can't go out and network and do the thing that I do. And I realized that that's why if they could do it, they would start their own business. Right. Yep. Like I love them to death, but why wouldn't they just like, if they can go out and network, generate leads, sell it right. And help manage it. They just go start their own company. So yeah. what I identified is like having that division of who's responsible for what like has been helpful. Like, and I will say it, like we just started this over, uh, over the past six months and it's already worked out a lot. Like, I think that's the main reason that we have finished strong here this year yep. and did, uh, you know, finishing around 10% about what we thought we were going to do. That's amazing. I, uh, this is like, just go back to your you know, point earlier and, you know, get it laid out on paper, get the rules, you know, clearly defined, right? Because if you actually look at our chart, right, I'm an estimator. I report to Tom, right. Yeah. And Tom asked me to do more, you know, estimates. And I said, I don't have time. But then as the integrator, I'm going to sales manager and saying, you guys aren't doing enough estimates. It's like, well, I can't get you to do estimates. Right. Yeah. Um, and then the integrator, you know, it reports to the visionary, which we both kind of report back to the owner's box. So all of a sudden, you know, we go back and forth of who we all are in the relationship could be, you know, four or five times before we yeah. get to that. So it's figuring out 
who are you in that moment? And what, like you said, what is your role or responsibility right then and there to you know, deliver what the business needs? Yeah. Well, and again, I think that's where the EOS system works so well. And I think probably where you're, I know, I know what your guys' vision is. I love it. I'm not going to share it. I'll let you guys do it if you want. But like, you're putting yourself in a spot to where, again, you're hiring these key positions to where now, Sean, instead of you being kind of the one project manager, you're going to hire another one, right? To where it's one less hat you have to wear and one less thing you have to switch, right? To where eventually at some point you guys are going to hire, you know, Tom, I'm sure down the road, eventually you may hire a sales manager to oversee the sales and marketing department. Maybe, maybe not, right? But you're at least setting yourself up in the company to do that, to where you hire that person, you remove yourself from that hat, and now that person reports to Sean, and then Sean reports to, you know, so. But that's EOS though, right? Because it is clearly defined that by January, yeah. uh, by December 31st of 2026, I will not be the sales manager. Yeah. So everything yeah. that I'm doing is is developing what that role would be. What do the systems and processes have to be in place? What is that person doing? Who is the sales manager? What does that role look like? So that's what I'm, yeah, I mean, we want to hit our numbers, but at the end of the day, if I'm not working towards getting myself out of that, um, what it doesn't done? mean it. Exactly. Yeah. So by 20, like 2027, I'll just be visionary and I'll probably be involved in other companies. But for the next three years, I'm locked in to get this right. Yep. I'm not letting anything else blind me. And that's because of the vision that's created through e, like the EOS process. So you mean you should have a plan and then you should break it down into smaller plans and action items? That's, yeah, so it goes, that's a novel yeah. concept. 90% of people yeah. listening to this have no clue what that means. Yeah, it's really- I mean uh, that in a good way. I do if they're working with you, Chris. Well, this is true. Oh, I appreciate that, Sean. I appreciate it. Thanks for bringing that one home. Um, There's not a lot of data talk here, so I think people- There is not, I know. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, I'm trying to leave that. Sean, you and I will do our own episode later this year on data, but uh, we'll, we'll screen share our spreadsheets and do everything and nobody will watch it on video. But um, but no, I mean, I think that, again, guys, I feel like this has been super helpful, um, you know, just to understand, you know, again, even regardless of where your company size is, like to start thinking in this mindset, right? To start having those three-year goals of where you want to be and how you want to replace yourself in every step along the way, and that sometimes you have to wear five hats and you have to switch the hats, you know, at different times, especially as you, you know, switch into that visionary integrator role. I guess one thought I would have, right? So I feel like, or one question I want to hear both of your guys' opinion on, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of people that we work with, a lot of people in the industry are good visionaries. Um, yes, some of them are still in the technician side of things, maybe if you're you know, familiar with E-Myth, but they at least have the vision for what they wanna achieve, right? But what, where they get stuck at is the integration side of it, the going from where they're at, maybe them and three painters to where they wanna be at it, you know, $2 million and, and you know, have some additional people on staff. What would you guys say to look for or how would you go about going from where you're at and then being able to integrate that visionary integrator role, you know, what are you looking for in an integrator? I guess is probably my, the best way to frame that question. So integrators don't have to be partners, right? Like Sean is, right? right? Like you can hire a GM that could be an integrator, but I think it's the same concept of why Sean and I have a good partnership is because they have to be able to do the things that you're not good at, Yep. right? And, and typically, like you said, people that are implementing and have the tenacity to follow through are not the visionaries. 
Yep. Right. So you need to have someone that might, uh, that doesn't have that same, um, kind of, uh, uh, like ideas on how we're going to get there. And like, it's someone that's going to focus on, uh, like making sure, like, we know how we're going to get there, like, and, and not just factoring in and just flying by the hip, like, because that's what I do. And, um, that's what a lot of small business owners do. And I just think you have to have the, uh, wherewithal to say, okay, I'm willing to sacrifice, uh, money. Right. Because I think like for a while, like you're overpaying or you think you're overpaying. Like I made more yeah. money for the past three years. I made more money when we were a quarter of the size, but I knew that in order for me to get out of all the day to day stuff that I didn't want to do, I'm going to have to make that sacrifice for a few years. And now it's starting to pay off. Yeah. So that's good. Sean, why do you think? Yeah. Go ahead. Just know that there's not, not everyone's like you, right? So Tom and I, like I said, we're different. Um, I don't have those visionary moments, right? And any personality test I take, right? Tells me that's not who I am. Um, right. Tom thinks of new things. I tinker with what we have, right? That's who I am. That's who I'm going to be. And I'm okay being that person. Right. Um, you know, uh, and, just accepting who you are and living in your unique ability. If you want to use that term, whatever it is, that's, that's who you have to find is that, that person. Oh, that's great. Um, well, I think that's a great place to kind of wrap this up. Um, do either of you guys have any thoughts or parting thoughts you want to leave with anyone that knows they're more on the visionary side or they need to maybe work into this model a little bit? Is there any additional thoughts uh, or anything you guys want to share here before we wrap up? Yeah, just my last comment is like, I know um, a lot of people fear, like, and I talk to other business owners and all, like, and they say, oh, you know, I don't, like, I'm afraid to give up responsibility because uh, these people are going to screw it up, right? You got to um, make sure they live your values, right? Create your core values, like, make sure you see eye to eye, and then you have to trust them to do their job and trust them that if they make mistakes, have their back when they do make a mistake. Um, like, I think this is similar to a sport. Right. This is a team and you have to like rely on your teammates, uh, like in order to get to where you want to go. That's good. Sean, anything else? Yeah, don't expect everyone, especially if it's where you're strong at to be at a hundred percent of you. Right. Um, if you can go sell, you know, include 60% of your job and sell a million dollars or $2 million yourself. Don't expect the next person to be able to do that. Right. Um, and, but two people, Selling a million and a half is still more than you selling, you know, two million by yourself. Yeah, that's good. I think that's what I just want to kind of wrap up with on on two quick notes. There, one, you just said it perfectly. There, Sean, I'll kind of say it in a different way. Nobody's ever going to care as much about your business as much as you do, right? I don't care how good they are, how great of a person. Tom, as you mentioned earlier, if they were really that solid and bought into it, they'd go start their own company, right? So we have to understand that you're, anybody listening to this, your tenacity, your everything, you know, you're not gonna find somebody that cares as much about your business as you do. Uh, and then on the other piece of it too, don't make a desperate hire to get someone in this role, right? Whether it is you need someone to oversee production because that's holding you back. You need an integrator to come into your company, You whatever it is always find the right person. Because I've seen too many people, and, and Tom, as you live here, I see sometimes people aren't the right fit or they're a fit for the season you're in and not long-term, and that's okay. But don't get desperate and make hires for 
specific roles or responsibilities. So um, with that being said, guys, I really appreciate your time. This has been fun to do this. I'm glad uh, I'm glad we could knock out both of these episodes and I think it was very valuable. I appreciate you guys taking some time and sharing with this. Uh, and I look forward to doing more episodes with you guys as you continue to grow, as you continue to work on the EOS model, your guys' roles, responsibilities. Uh, I'm sure maybe we'll do a, a couple episodes over the next year or so with each of you guys individually too. Uh, and so I appreciate your insight, your wisdom and everything you guys had to share. Thanks, Chris. Thanks so much, Chris. Sure. You will see me at PCA Expo. Uh, so if you haven't got your tickets and you're listening to this, get them. It's going to be uh, it's going to be great. I know they've already have a record number of ticket sales. So uh, PCA Expo last week of February, sunny Orlando, Florida. That's an easy sell for the last week of February for anybody in 85 percent of the country. So. Um, so, yep, we'll see you guys there. I look forward to it again. All right. See you, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Bye bye. Paynet podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPainted.org. 